0: from deep inside your audio device of choice ladies and gentlemen a couple questions occurred to me this week about what was going on the chief one though just remains with me after 8 hours if, if just one beetle had said, hey, guys, we've got to um, write a new album of songs and rehearse them for maybe a live show, and we have a very compressed timeline for doing it. So maybe all the business people and the, I don't know, the movie people who just want to hang out with us would get out of the room and stay out, How much better the songs would have been. Hello, welcome to the show. But just to say, hey, come on, we're the freaking Beatles. Get out of here. Now, you're going to say maybe they, they cut that out of the uh, documentary. And I'm going to say they didn't cut anything out of it. The- Hello from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week here. Yeah, right now.
1: are so soft.
0: Yes, there are reasons. Hang in there. Technical things. Walgreens has apologized uh, to affected customers who made appointments for boosters, or, uh, shots store was still open pharmacists had left in at least one case we know about thanks to the Washington Post pharmacy in question in the Washington Post story started closed a half hour before a confirmed appointment part of service cutbacks by Walgreens caused by a labor shortage hitting drugstores across the country as I say Walgreens has apologized to affected customers in an email to the post Said it's working to prevent such problems moving forward. Not going to move backward. Policy. The company would not say how many of its customers nationwide have suffered the same frustration. Similar tales from angry customers have popped up, popped up on social media around the country since early November. Problems arose as demand is surging for coronas, coronavirus. I've learned to say that by now. Vaccine boosters as well as podiatric. Pediatric, your feet are fine. Vaccine doses. Now, me personally, I think uh, getting shots of any kind in a drugstore is uh, tantamount to getting brain surgery at a gas station, but that's just me. BBC journalist Amal. Rajan has apologized after the quote rude and immature unquote comments they made about the royal family a decade ago, they resurfaced recently, like rude and immature comments always do. In that while, following a re- release of a controversial BBC documentary hosted by Rajan that examined the relationship between Princes William and Harry and the media, it emerged that Rajan had described Prince Philip, their dad, as a quote racist buffoon unquote. And Prince Charles as, quote, scientifically illiterate. Tom?
1: Illiterate.
0: Yes. Unquote. In comment pieces published by the newspaper The Independent in 2012, Rajan edited The Independent At uh, shortly afterwards, between 2013 and 2016. He described Queen Elizabeth's diamond jubilee as, quote, little more than the industrialization of mediocrity. Unquote. He's got away with words. The second piece said the public roles of the Duke of Cambridge and his wife Kate Middleton were a quote a total fraud, unquote. In a statement posted on Twitter this week, Rajan said he deeply regrets the rude and immature comments he made in a quote former life, unquote. I look back at them now, quoting again, with real embarrassment and ask myself what I was thinking, frankly. He is now the media editor of the BBC. I would like to say sorry for any offense they caused then or now. I'm completely committed to impartiality and hope our recent program can be judged. Recent programs can be judged on their merits. Good luck, babe. No, his name is not babe. The USC athletic department apologized a week ago today for an offensive chant directed at Brigham Young University football players during the game last Saturday. At the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, they're playing in the Coliseum. USC issued the apology via Twitter while noting that the the chant came from the student section of the Coliseum stands. So don't blame the alums. They're old enough to know better. Unlike, let's say, the Trojan students. I speak as a Bruin, yes, admittedly, full disclosure. USC didn't acknowledge what the offensive chant was. Video of the chant surfaced not on social media, but the Salt Lake Tribune reports that some fans directed F the Mormons chants at players from the school. Brigham Young, of course, was uh, the 19th century president of the church, Latter-day Saints Church. USC defensive line coach and BYU alum Vic Soto also apologized for the chant on Twitter, while tagging the head coach of BYU and athletic director. BYU won, so, you know, what the heck. Brian May, guitarist from Queen, speaking of royalty, said this week his recent remarks about gender inclusion at the Brit Awards and transgender people were, quote, subtly twisted, unquote. He apologized in a statement on social media, affirming his openness to all people regardless of gender Or other attributes. Why would he have to do that? His comments came in response to the annual British Phonographic Industry Award show's removal of separate male and female prizes starting next year. These are called the BRIT Awards. Four of them for Best British Male and Female Solo Artist and Best International Male and Female Solo Artist will become two gender neutral categories next year meaning a total of two fewer awards. Who wouldn't want that? Quote, it's a decision that has been made without enough thought, May told the British tabloid The Daily Mirror when he uh, showed up at the uh, celebration of a British TV network late November. Quote, a lot of things work quite well and can be left alone, he continued. I get so sick of people trying to change things without thinking of the long-term consequences. Some of these things are an improvement, some of them are not. Unquote. He added that the late Queen singer Freddie Mercury would have found PC culture, quote, difficult. He also supposed that Queen wouldn't be seen as diverse enough today. We would be, quote, we would be forced to have people of different colors and different sexes, and we would have to have a trans person, he said. However, after backlash to those remarks, he indicated the words were taken out of context and made purposely to look like he was showing hostility towards the transgender community. Quote, I was ambushed and completely stitched up by a journalist at the recent ITV event, he said in an Instagram post. And, he added, it's led to a whole mess of press stories making it look like I'm unfriendly to trans people. Nothing could be further from the truth. My words were subtly twisted. I should have known better than to talk to those predatory press hacks. He offered, quote, sincere apologies to anyone who has been hurt by the stories. My heart is open, as always, to humans of all colors and creeds, all sexes and, sexes and sexualities, all shapes and sizers, sizes, and all creatures. All creatures. Quote, we all deserve respect and an equal place in this world, he said. My grateful thanks to all of you who stepped to who did defend me in the last couple of days. Unquote Brian May. All creatures. Mm -hmm. Deadline Springfield, Missouri, a social media influencer is apologizing after a trade publication, revealed that his stunt wasn't what it appeared to be. Kyle Sheely's TikTok video about sneaking a billboard with his face on it onto a gas station went viral last month. The buzz created supposedly let the come and go chain of gas stations to launch a meal with his name on it. Scheele posted another TikTok video this week to explain the situation. I messed up and I'm sorry. Recently, Adweek posted an article about the Kyle Scheele meal meal, in which they said come and go was in on it from the beginning. Some people are understandably mad at that. The thing is that the way some people are reading that article is that come and go, K-U-M, planned an elaborate corporate marketing stunt and that they just hired me to pull it off. That is not true, said Shiel. The gas station chain connected with Shiel earlier this year, and they asked him what is his craziest idea. He told them it would be funny if he had his own influencer meal. He says the company was on board to do it and discussed had doing had discussed doing a celebrity meal before, but they liked the idea of a non-celebrity meal even more. A lot of things happened after that, but what did not happen, is what people seem to infer from the Adweek article, is that a corporate marketing team jumped in to execute the whole thing. That just did not happen at all. Instead, they said, go make something fun. So I did, he said. He asked the gas station convenience clerk if he could take home a cardboard cut out of Post Malone. The clerk said he didn't really know. Oh, we're not going to get into all that, are we? No, but come-and-go launched the Kyle Scheele meal last month. Two slices of pizza and a Red Bull for $5. $2 of every meal sold until Thanksgiving went to the No Kid Hungry to provide meals for kids in need. If you buy it now, kids can go starve. A previous statement about the launch of the meal from the gas station chain said come-and-go is thrilled to partner with Kyle on such a humorous unexpected initiative that aligns with Come and Go's commitment to fighting food insecurity in our towns and cities. Sheil said that he was pleasantly surprised when his video went viral. The response on social media from fans, the selfies with the billboard, all the comments were genuine. I should have just been up front and told you that they did know about it. That was a mistake. And I am sorry, says Sheel. A uh, comment was added last night to the video. Quote Disclosure, this was an ad for come and go, and I should have stated that from the beginning. Sorry. All right. I think I think that's quite enough of that. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now some news of the godly. When young nuns at a convent in Eastern Europe told their mother superior that a priest had tried to molest them, she retorted it was probably their fault for, quote, provoking him. Unquote. When African nuns in Minnesota asked why it was always they who had to shovel snow, they were told it was because they were young and strong, even though white nuns of the same age lived there too. As the Roman Catholic Church pays more attention to the closed world of convents, This, according to Reuters, more episodes of psychological, emotional, and physical abuse are coming to light. New book by uh, Salvatore Cornuzio, Veil of Silence. He's a journalist at the Vatican's online outlet, Vatican News. It's the latest expose to come from within, approved by authorities. He recounts experiences of 11 women and their struggles with an age-old system where the mother superior and other nuns demand total obedience, in some cases resulting in acts of cruelty and humiliation. Now I'm getting interested. The uh, a South American woman who joined an order of clo- cloistered nuns in Italy 20 years ago when she was 19, recounts how the indoctrination was so strict the younger sisters needed permission to go to the bathroom. Well, of course. Otherwise, they're going to spend all their... uh, and ask for sanitary products during their menstrual periods. You are always complaining. Do you want to be a saint or not? Marcella, that's the South American woman, says she was quoted her mother superior shouting when she suggested changes in the daily routine. Therese, a French woman, was told you have to suffer for Jesus when she asked to be spared physically demanding chores because of a back condition. I understood that we were all like dogs, recounted Elizabeth, an Australian. They tell us to sit and we sit, to get up and we get up, to roll over, and we roll over. Last year, Father Giovanni Cucci wrote a landmark article about abuse in comments in the Jes- Jesuit journal Civita Civita Cattolica, whose texts are approved by the Vatican, he found most of it was abuse of power, including episodes of racism, such as in the Minnesota convent. He said the problem needed more attention because it had been overshadowed by the sexual abuse of children by priests. The uh, Vatican newspaper observatory Romano exposed a plight of foreign nuns a couple of years ago, sent by their orders to work as housekeepers for cardinals and bishops in Rome, Rome, with little or no remuneration. chronicled a burnout syndrome, later on, where younger women with good educations were held back by older superiors reluctant to relinquish a boot camp style of tradition of assigning them menial tasks, ostensibly to instill discipline and obedience. Uh, Last year, The cardinal who handles the Vatican Department that oversees religious congregations revealed that Pope Francis had opened a home in Rome for former nuns abandoned by their orders. They were following orders, but their orders left them behind, apparently. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, it is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, Yeah, go ahead. You can do that. <laughs> it's getting fun around here. Here we go.
1: Let me tell you about the bees. Yeah.
0: A new study from researchers at the University of California, Davis. That's the uh, Ag School at uh, UC finds that pesticides not only directly affect bee health, effects from past exposure can carry over to future generations. That is nutty. A study published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences suggests bees may require multiple generations to recover from even a single application of insecticides. How does that even work? Bees play a critical role in agricultural ecosystems, providing pollination For many important crops, we know that in many agricultural areas, bees may be exposed to pesticides multiple times over multiple years. Studies so far have only looked at exposure to pesticides in one life stage or over one year. But now it's important for us to understand how exposure persists from one generation to the other, says the lead author of the study. Our findings suggest we need to be doing more to help mitigate risks or we limit critical pollination services. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But wait, there's more. In the study, the blue orchard bee was exposed to imidacloprid. I say that enough, I should be able to just say it like it's fallen off imidacloprid. That's the most commonly used neonicotinoid in California, according to amounts recommended on the label. That's what they got dosed with. The exposures were similar to what the bees would experience in the field. Female bees that were exposed to insecticide as larvae had 20% fewer offspring than bees not so exposed. Those bees that were exposed as larvae and as adults had 44% fewer offspring. If you want fewer bees, this is the way to go. Quote, we gave them one application in the first year, one in the second. That's a pretty standard exposure even then. We saw strong results that added up each exposure, reducing fertility, said the lead author, because the impacts of insecticides tend to be additive across the stages. Are they on stage now? Repeated exposure has profound implications for population growth. Research showed the bees exposed to neonicotinoids in both the first and second year resulted in a 72% lower population growth rate compared to bees not exposed at all, and of course the neonics persist in the environment long after they're applied. study reveals how past pesticide exposure can have lasting impacts. Says so a co-author, one could draw parallels to human health where impacts early in development show up much later in life. We just didn't know the same was true. For bees, News of the bees? I think I copyrighted it. At one point, and now, yes, now. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Clean, safe, too safe to meet. Clean, safe, too safe to meet. This is news of the atom, a proposed project to store high-level nuclear waste in southeast New Mexico. Hey, that would be a great solution to in the nuclear waste faces continuing delays now as federal regulators are unsatisfied with answers given by the company hoping to build the facility near the Eddy Lee County line. It's between Eddy and Lee counties, hence the name. In a letter to Holtek International, that's the company proposing the waste facility. Uh, They built the one out in Southern California right by the ocean. What could go wrong? The Nuclear Regulatory Commission says responses to its recent inquiries were inadequate, so publication of the project's final environmental impact statement was delayed, and a safety evaluation report was also delayed from planned publications in uh, this month, sorry, no, last month, and next month. The letter didn't include alternative publication dates. Delaying those documents could set the whole project back, Holtec officials had planned to open the site and begin operations in a couple of years. It would be used to, don't get excited, temporarily store waste, 100,000 metric tons of it, spent nuclear fuel rods brought to New Mexico via generators and nuclear power plants across the United States. Many fear that because the U.S. does not have a permanent repository for high-level nuclear waste, Holtec's temporary site would become permanent. These included uh, environmental groups and government watchdogs. Supporters of the project, mostly leaders from southeast New Mexico, argued the site would provide much-needed economic diversity to the oil and gas dependent region. Jobs! While assisting with the federal goal of cleaning up nuclear waste by hiding it somewhere temporarily. A draft environmental impact statement released by the NRC last year recommended the license be granted to Holtec But amid the draft's review, additional questions arose, questions related to the analysis of hazards potentially posed by the facility by nearby gas pipelines and possible flooding events. The NRC was also not satisfied with Holtec's responses on calculations for radiation doses potentially received off-site. That would be worrying, wouldn't it? And there's more. The U.S. Environmental Environmental Protection Agency, citing a history of troubles at a Columbia, South Carolina nuclear fuel plant, says federal regulators should resolve questions about radioactive pollution at the plant before allowing it to operate for another four decades. The EPA sent a letter to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission expressing multiple concerns about the Westinghouse plant, You can be sure they were concerned about Westinghouse, including the threat of radioactive material washing off the property and how air pollution might have affected the area. The EPA is also worried about incidents and violations during the past 15 years, including an accident last August in which a plant worker suffered chemical burns and was contaminated with radioactive material. That's all. Quote, we have environmental concerns regarding water resources, air quality, climate, environmental justice and tribal issues that should be addressed in a final environmental study as well as a pending safety evaluation. That was the verbiage from the EPA to the NRC. The EPA joins at least three other government agencies that have questioned whether a draft environmental study by the NRC is adequate. Regulators with the Government Accounting Office that's the auditing arm of Congress, I didn't know Congress had arms, recommended a return to, quote, consent-based citing unquote, in a September report about the need to address the growing stockpile of nuclear waste. The concept came from a blue-ribbon commission during the Obama administration. Preserving existing plants, as well as bringing online a next generation of reactors, is essential to the goal. Now, the goal is essential to the concept. Those plans hinge on storage and management of existing nuclear waste in interim and eventually permanent repositories. Sure, eventually. Some of the waste is currently stored in casks above ground, like the Holtec casks at San Onofre near the ocean in California. That creates an even greater risk to communities and the environment. Historically, potential sites for waste disposal have been met with local opposition due to fear of transportation and handling of radioactive materials. Government regulators sounded an alarm in their report that exposure could be lethal. There's roughly 86,000 metric tons of nuclear waste scattered among 75 operating or shuttered nuclear plants, according to the Government Accountability Office. And so, consent based siting, that is to say, locating these storage plants where communities want them, is now being considered as essential. In fact, the Biden administration this week said it was seeking local communities willing to host nuclear waste storage sites. They're needed, says the administration, to deal with the nation's existing waste and encourage growth in virtually emissions-free nuclear power. In the future, the U.S. government tried for decades to create that large-scale nuclear waste dump in Yucca Mountain, in Nevada, project ultimately rejected due to public concerns about safety in Nevada, including by the then Democratic Senate head, Harry Reid, from Nevada. Managing waste not only makes nuclear a more sustainable option, but also helps fulfill the Department of Energy's obligation to manage the new nation's spent nuclear fuel, said the Department of Energy. It's seeking information on a consent-based siting process that would be used to identify sites. U.S., as we say, has about 83,000. Okay, the figures differ here a little bit. More than 80,000 tons, metric tons of radioactive nuclear waste is now stored at 76 reactor sites in 34 states. So we're making good, good, good progress on um, getting rid of the, the waste, somehow, somewhere, sometime, clean shape to see to mating. Our friend the atom. And now this. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen. I've been doing this for a while hey by the way speaking of which maybe this is this is, this has happened to remind me we're beginning year 39 of La show with this series of mistakes congratulations to the machines
2: you and your smile A strange invitation Somehow it seems We've shared our dreams But where? Time after time In a room full of strangers Out of the blue Suddenly you are there go you're the glow of temptation glancing my way in the gray of the dawn always your eyes hold a strange invitation then you are gone where oh where have you gone how long must i be where you are so near yet far apart Hoping you'll say with a warm invitation Where have you been darling come in come into my heart And then while A strange revelation Something so odd You and I can't deny You've let me know In a shy conversation You've spent some days Wondering where was I You've had for me A certain fascination I felt for you a mysterious appeal Always your face brings that fiery sensation When we are near, dear, oh dear, how we burn You took my hands and with humble conviction You looked at me deep in my eyes and smile. And then you said, with a warm invitation Where have you been, darling? Come in, come into my heart. Where have you been, darling? Come in, come into my heart. Where have you been, darling? Come in. Come
0: This is Le Show, Um, entering its 39th year. That happens to be true. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. intelligence community faced greater challenges, quotes, in briefing former President Trump than it had confronted in almost five decades since when President-elect Nixon was taking office. This is accounting per a new account published by the CIA's Internal Research Center. Now I'm impressed. As uh, was documented during his time in office, Trump's tense relationship with U.S. intelligence agencies worsened, as um, the whole Russia thing burgeoned, using one of my favorite words from Newsweek, where I used to work. This led to a badly strained rapport early In his presidency, according to former CIA officer John Helgerson, in an update to his book, Getting to Know the President. The book is featured among other unclassified materials in the CIA Center for the Study of Intelligence website. It is for educational purposes and not an official product of the agency or reflective of its position. That's a disclaimer that accompanies all that. It's a running historical account, first published in 96, dating back to Truman of how the intelligence community briefs newly elected presidents. later, latest chapter includes insights from the senior intelligence officials who oversaw the pre-election briefings for Trump. Far and away the most difficult in its historical experience, says the author. Trump was like Nixon, suspicious and insecure about the intelligence process, but unlike Nixon in the way he reacted. Rather than shut the intelligence community out, Trump engaged with it, but attacked it publicly. The uh, CIA director during Nixon's presidency, Richard Helms, talked about the rocky relationship between Nixon and the intelligence community in an interview that's included in the book. Nixon would constantly pick on the CIA for not having properly judged when the Soviets or what the Soviets were going to do with various kinds of weaponry. Obviously, he was being selective. But he would make nasty remarks about this and say this obviously had to be sharpened up. So the CIA compares Nixon to Trump. Now, uh, regular listeners may know a couple of uh, rather unfamiliar. Facts. Nixon got into heaven. And he's still taping. Oh, hold on. Mm. Come here. Come here. Uh, I was just checking those uh, stats on Angels Home Came You, you were right. Mm-hmm. Well, of course I was right. I lived in a damn county. <laughs> You'd think MLB would be a little bit more generous with their statistics. Screw them. I live Ten miles from Dam, Dam, Dam Emma, Emma Anaheim. Maybe Anaheim is a better name. You saw the CIA stuff on the presidential briefings? I was just writing up a summary of it. I you. don't need a summary, Alderman. I read the damn thing. <laughs> I'm not Trump. Which is exactly what the CIA report pointed out. Which is what could make people think perversely that I am like Trump. Hmm. You see what I'm saying there? No, I, I do, but I it, mean it's fifty years ago. All of it. Mm-hmm. a normal or a real atten- intelligence agency would have would have better things to do than keep up these attacks on me. I mean, I'm dead. They won. So well, I I, I didn't think of it as an attack on you. It was as more like they were using comparisons with you to attack Trump. Well, say that's what they wanted you to think. Well, but they've got me having their stuff sent to Kissinger first. <laughs> well, we did. As you know, Alderman, mm-hmm. the early briefs were sent to Kissinger to keep the little crowd busy, mm-hmm. so he didn't have the time to come up with new ways to screw with our foreign policy objective. Well, he was never that busy. Well, it both? was a waste of everyone's time having the CIA brief Kissinger. It was like the trainer briefing the poodle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean... On the money. That's right. That's right. And, of course, Henry gets a five-decade income stream out of her opening up to China, which, of course, is his right. And 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 you couldn't go into that consultancy-type business because of all, all sorts of reasons. That's right. That's right. And, of course, being suspicious of the CIA is about the only thing Trump ever got right. Coming <laughs> back to the Trump thing. That's right. And uh, the reason he distrusted them, of course, was because... They tended to use big words, not because, just to take one very big example, they had screwed up the Bay of Pigs deal and, and uh, mm-hmm. felt they had to make it up to the Kennedys by making Nixon look bad, which, of course, they did. It's asking Trump to know a lot of history, which, uh... That's right. He... That's right. Doesn't. But here's where you see how these people really work. They dredge up Nixon again after all these years. Mm-hmm. For what reason? A revised history of briefing is what it said, mm. not an official product of the agency, which. Of course. Well, is. of course they're going to say that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Trump believes that. <laughs> and of course he has every right to. Mm-hmm. But, Holman? Uh, yep. You and I? Yep. We know better. And now, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole, the third. First up, China hits back. China has no plan to ask any U.S. politicians to attend the Winter Olympics according to the Communist Party-backed Global Times. This comes after President Biden said he's weighing a diplomatic boycott of the event. Don't bother boycotting. We're not inviting you. The uh, newspaper says efforts to fight the pandemic ruled out large-scale invitations. It did indicate politics played a role in the decision not to invite American officials. China viewed the success of the event as having nothing to do with the president of presence of some anti-China politicians from the West. An un- un- unidentified person was quoted as saying in the report, Without them messing things up, the Beijing Winter Olympics will be even more splendid, the person was quoted as saying. The United Nations assessment says an estimated one million members of ethnic minorities, including Muslim Uyghurs, have been detained in China's far western Xinjiang region, Prompting the US, UK, European Union, and Canada to sanction Chinese officials and the Biden administration to accuse Beijing of genocide. Chinese leader Xi Jinping denies the allegations and denounces the alligators. Reporters Without Borders, set up to protect freedom of speech and information, has warned journalists and media covering. The 22 Winter Olympic Games to protect themselves against surveillance by the Chinese government. Key recommendations include avoid avoiding downloading applications that could allow the Chinese authorities to monitor them. That's Whenever you go to China, you get told that. RS... I did. China uh, RSF has also called upon media outlets. RSF, Reporters Without Borders. Called upon media outlets, publishers, and social networks to denounce any editorial interference or pressure from the government. In China China ranks 177th out of 180 in this year's reporters Without Borders World Press Freedom Index just two places above North Korea and there are currently 127 journalists being detained in China they also recommend not storing even temporarily passwords or information that could endanger journalists or their sources, and recommends journalists download a VPN before leaving for China. The Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics cost at least $1.3 billion less than expected because the games were held without spectators, helping to cut labor costs and other outlays. Officials with knowledge of the matter said this week, cost reduction stemming from the absence of spectators more than compensated for losses on ticket sales. So there's the future right there. Spectators be damned. And China has urged American companies to rally against the calls for a diplomatic boycott of the China Games, the Winter Games, the United States among the countries considering not sending reps. Other companies, countries mulling a de- de- mulling a bo- boycott include Britain, Australia and Canada. China says foreign companies should ignore the boycotts, but foreign businesses are beginning to face scrutiny. How will this all turn out? It's a movement. We all need one. Every day. Yes, we, we rely on on private companies now to enforce our um, human rights policy, supposedly. And I, for one, think it's a cute idea. There are companies that um, do seem to... I think the word used normally is kowtow. <laughs> I'm curious about its deriv- derivation at this moment in time by the way a foreign political dignitary who has confirmed he's going to China for the winter games is Putin Putin's gonna put be Putin his uh, his hiney in Chinese not clear how many other heads of state will be attending so um apparently, Russia and China are uh, having one more rapprochement. They come together, they fall apart. They come together, they fall apart. Who can keep track? And now, ladies and gentlemen, what the frack? At a playground outside a North Texas daycare center, giggling preschoolers chase each other into a playhouse, according to the Associated Press. It's a scene setter for a story about the proximity of fracking wells to daycare centers and schools, as well as homes, in certain neighborhoods. Living near drilling sites has been linked to health risks, especially to children, ranging from asthma to neurological and developmental disorders. Some states are requiring energy companies to drill farther from daycare centers, schools, and homes. Texas has made it exceedingly difficult for local governments to fight back. The affected areas also include communities near related infrastructure, compressor stations, for example, which push gas through pipelines and emit toxic fumes. I'm trying to protect my little one, says the mother of a two-year-old attending a daycare center in Arlington. There's a lot of land they can drill. doesn't have to be in the backyard of daycare, she says. The French oil company proposing to drill at this particular daycare center. Total, it's an oil company, French oil company, declined an interview request. The company in a statement says it has operated near the Mother's Heart Daycare Center for more than a decade without any safety concerns expressed by the city of Arlington. This comes against the backdrop of pledges from world leaders to reduce emissions. Yet the world's reliance on natural gas is growing. As early as next year, the U.S. will become the world's largest exporter of liquid natural gas. As a result, there likely will be more drilling for natural gas in Arlington and other communities. A report by Physicians for Social Responsibility and Concerned Health Professionals of New York, which reviewed dozens of scientific studies, found the public health risks associated with these sites include cancers, asthma, respiratory diseases, rashes, heart problems, and mental health disorders. Many of the wells total as drilled in Arlington are near Latino or black or low-income communities, often just a few hundred feet from homes. An analysis by the Associated Press of locations of wells, the total operates in Arlington, shows their density is higher in neighborhoods where many people of color reside. America is segregated and so is pollution, says the director of the Bullard Center for Environmental and Climate Justice at Texas Southern University. Quote, the dirty industries and what planners call locally unwanted land uses oftentimes followed the path of least resistance. Historically, that's poor communities and communities of color. Unquote. When the gas pumped in Texas gets shipped out for export, it goes to facilities along the Gulf Coast. Many of them are near communities predominantly non-white, such as Port Arthur. There's a pattern. Seems to be here. To which one can only say, "What the frack!" And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have um, we've heard that. We probably should be hearing something else now. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about that? Yes, I will. I've said. You know, they're just numbers. Plastic waste amounting to 8 million tons annually turns into microplastics through constant exposure to ultraviolet rays and sea waves. These microplastics are consumed by lower-level organisms such as plankton. That poses a threat to humans at the top of the food chain. According to the scienceblog.com, research team at uh, the Dago Gyeongbuk Institute of Science Technology conducted an experiment in which microplastics two millimeters, no, 2 micrometers or less, or less in size, were administered orally to mice for seven days in order to see the hazards. The team discovered nanoplastic with the size of two micrometers or less passed through the blood-brain barrier that prevents brain uptake of hazardous substances. Highly unusual to observe solid solids such as microplastics go through the blood-brain barrier. Additionally, the team revealed that microplastics accumulate in microglial cells in the brain. The team explained that microglial cells recognize microplastics as an external threat leading to a process which changes cellular morphology. They start to be deposited in the brain do these microplastics even after short-term ingestions within seven days resulting in alterations in immune responses and inflammatory responses. Based on the findings of research, we plan to conduct additional research that can further reveal the brain accumulation of microplastics and the mechanism mechanism of neurotoxicity. On the other hand, surprising amount of plastic pollution in the ocean may wind up in a previously overlooked spot. The skeletons of living corals, according to Science News, Up to about 20,000 metric tons of microplastics a year may be stored in coral skeletons worldwide. That's nearly 3% of the microplastics expected to be in shallow tropical waters where corals thrive. Corals have been observed eating or otherwise incorporating microplastics into their body. Scientists don't know how much of the debris reefs take up globally. These experiments in the lab found out where the particles are stored inside corals and estimate how much is tucked away. After 18 months, most of the debris inside corals was in their skeletons rather than their tissues, the researchers report. It's the first time that a living microplastic sink or long-term storage site has been quantified. Well, maybe we could get the corals to eat the nuclear waste. Hey, coral, come here. Got something for you. When a container ship caught fire and sank in the Indian Ocean last May, Sri Lanka was terrified that the vessel's 350 tons of heavy fuel oil would spill into the ocean, causing an environmental disaster. It was Sri Lanka's worst maritime disaster. But that impact was not caused by the oil, nor the hazardous chemicals on board, like nitric acid and caustic soda. The most significant harm, according to the UN, came from the spillage of 87 containers full of Lentil-sized plastic pellets, microplastic pellets called nurdles. You've heard of them on this program. Since the disaster, nurdles have been washing up in their billions along hundreds of miles of Sri Lanka's coastline. They're expected to make landfall across Indian Ocean coastlines from Indonesia and Malaysia to Somalia. Some places they are up to two meters deep. They've been found on the bodies of dead dolphins and the mouths of fish. 1,600 tons of nurdles were released into the ocean, the largest plastic spill in history, according to the UN. And according to scientists at Rice University, discarded polystyrene breaks down into microplastics. It provides a cozy home not only for microbes and chemical contaminants, but also for free-floating genetic materials that deliver to bacteria the gift of antibiotic resistance. Microplastics just can't stop giving. News of one word, ladies and gentlemen, microplastics. Well, will year 39 of this program be filled with more operator errors? That's the question I'm asking myself as we close this edition of the show, returning next week at the same time over the same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you want. And we'd just like a return to error-free production if you'd agree to join me then. Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halston, and to uh, Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program. The playlist of the music heard here on and your dwindling chance to get cards, I talk t-shirts for your whole family for this Christmas. All at harryshear.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO, New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long. From the Crescent City...